consider the weekly message from Angel of Joy Lutheran Church, an ELCA congregation located in Lufkin, Texas. Pastor Paul Guy and the family of Angel of Joy invite you to join us for worship at 10.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you should find yourself in our neighborhood, please enjoy this message and visit our website at angelofjoy.org. Dear friends in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I can't help but share a story that some of you heard before and some didn't, but it's good just the same. And it was winter time, and that's a good thing to think about because it was cold, but that was up in Minnesota. And you know, up in Minnesota in the winter time, when it gets pretty cold, the lakes freeze over. And there are a lot of people that like to go ice fishing. But sometimes when the lakes freeze over, it gives sort of a shortcut for people going to town who happen to live out in the country. And that was the case for Ole and Lena. And Ole decided or discovered he was out of out of tobacco. And I guess he had a pipe. And he told Lena, Lena, I want you to go to town, go to the store and get me some tobacco. And Lena said, well, okay, Ole, I'll do that, but give me some money first. He said, no, just put it on our account. And she said to him, but Ole, tobacco doesn't cost that much. And he said, no, but, you know, money is money, and it's probably not a good idea to send money with you until I know how thick the ice is. Sometimes it's hard to sort out our priorities, and sometimes money is pretty high up the list. There's a brother and sister I know. They live pretty far away from here, but uh, when their their parents died, their parents were pretty well off financially, these two did not agree with each other on the division of the wealth, the property. I don't know how it worked out in the end, but I know what happened in the end. The two of them stopped talking to each other. They were so upset with what the other got that it broke their relationship down, and absolutely, positively, they have not spoken to each other in over 20 years. There are two brothers I know that didn't come from quite so well-to-do a family. Oh, by the way, and neither one of those two needed any money at all because they both were were very well off in their own right. Another couple of brothers, same thing happened. When the parents died, well, first the mom and then the father, and whatever transpired, there was unhappiness at the division of the wealth. They haven't spoken to each other in pretty much the same amount of time. Two families rent asunder by an inheritance. I don't think that's very unusual. In fact, if I were to take a poll, I bet you probably at least half of the people here today know someone that went through a similar occurrence. 
where they simply had a relationship that died over money or property, pretty much the same thing. The thread running through all of our texts today really can be boiled down to wealth, money. And I was trying to do what we all do looking at the text is to try to get the context of it. Here Jesus was doing something completely different when someone came up and said, listen, I need you to tell my brother to do this. Share the wealth with me equally. And of course, Jesus said right off the bat, well, I'm glad to help out any way I can, right? I should see head shaking. No, no, that's not what he said. Basically, he he said something like, hey, wait a minute now, who made me the boss of you? I'm not going to get involved in this. I mean, this is the kind of thing where people can get wounded. And I have no stake in this at all. But since this probably wasn't what Jesus was planning to talk about on that day, and you know, sometimes preachers, and Jesus was a preacher, he was a public speaker, an orator, all of those things, but teacher. He probably had an agenda set beforehand. I'm going to talk about, oh, maybe I'm going to talk about God's love and forgiveness. He wasn't talking about legalities. That wasn't his intention, but got thrown in his lap and someone happened to be sitting around with probably with something like a pen and paper so they could write it down what his response was. And I imagine this one, he probably would have given some second thought and said, I would have said pretty much the same thing, but I might have said it a little different. But the gist of it is, relationships get ruined over inheritance. Just like it has for the people you were thinking of a moment ago. And Jesus wanted them to get their priorities straight. He was always not trying to make life harder for people, but wanted them to have an improved outlook on life, and especially an improved outlook on their relationship with God and things of eternal value. And by eternity, that's, that's kind of, well... That takes a long time, far-sighted vision that goes beyond inheritance. Some of you have heard of Rick Warren. He's a preacher. And after making millions of dollars on his book, The Purpose Driven Life, he commented that after he had this newfound wealth, he really had to learn to manage his affluence along with his influence. Kind of changes the perspective. Kind of does. People often quote a passage they think is from the Bible. You know, money is the root of all evil. But that's not what it says. The passage is from the last chapter of 1 Timothy, and it's been a while since I've really worked with it, so I have to remember how to read this so you understand what I'm saying. Uh, That passage in 1 Timothy says, 
pizza, gar, pontone, ton, cacon, estin, hay, filarguria. Filarguria. Yeah. In other words, the root of all bad things is the love of silver. And, of course, he's talking about money, of course. It's the love of money that causes the problems. It's when the money comes first. When I was a kid, some of you are old enough to remember Disney. Of course, Walt Disney has Disney World, Disneyland, and and all of these places. And now this coming week, I think it is, a new movie coming out called Planes. But, but I remember reading comic books, and there's this wealthy duck called Uncle Scrooge. He loved money more than anything. And he was kind of hard-headed guy. And all his relationships could be boiled down to dollars and cents. Well, I don't think we know anyone that's that wealthy But we do know how money or wealth, possessions that have value, can mess up relationships. I think it helps people to see that money is kind of like a brick, if you will. It can be used to maim or kill. You know, if you throw it at someone, you're going to do some serious damage. But it can also be used to build churches and hospitals and schools even homes for the homeless. The brick itself is neither good nor bad. It's what we called in in sociology amoral. It doesn't have any value really one way or the other as far as good or bad. It's what you do with it that counts. It's an important distinction. Now, I'm not sure how many of you noticed it on the news, or maybe you, you spent a little bit yourself But last night, the Powerball lottery jackpot jumped to $400 million after nobody won in Saturday night's drawing. This has happened several weeks in a row, I understand. And that if you got the lump sum before taxes, it had come out to about $230 million. And I got to thinking as I've read those figures, wow, what could we do here at this church with $230 million. Now, if you give it to the church, it's not taxable. Did you know that? Well, not not what goes to the church or some recognized um, charity. If you keep it for yourself, uh, if you buy a new car and go on a round-the-world cruise and go to see that that um, airplane movie this week, that that gets taxed. What could we do at this church with, oh, well, let me put this seed in your head. If you happen to play the lottery next week and you win, remember that whatever you give to the church comes off the total and you're not taxed on that, so it lowers your tax rate on the total. But uh, And the church could really... We're going to pay to have those air conditioners repaired, but wouldn't it be nice to have them replaced? Or to have the carpet replaced? Or to, well, you get the idea. There are a lot of things that we could do. And what would you do if you won or came into a large inheritance or winning? 
What would you do with it? You have to give it some thought. Of course, we all think about what we need now and don't have, or what someone we know and care deeply about needs desperately. Those are legitimate things. But go beyond that. And I was thinking, well, what about a gift to my college or seminary? Or what about a program in our community that could really do, like CISC, that cares for the citizens in ways that we individually or as a church are not able to? Well, that would be good. What could we do with the gift that goes beyond ourselves and our own edification? And then I got to thinking theologically, and pastors do that, and one term that they taught us about, uh, taught us in seminary is the pastor is the the theologian in residence, the one that interprets the scripture for the life of the people they serve. How would we interpret what God did for us out of his abundance? The most precious thing that God had, and he has everything. But what do you think's at the top of the list? Probably his son, Jesus. And what happened with Jesus? So what can we give? And one of the things we don't talk about a whole lot at this church, but we, that comes up every month at, at um, council meeting, is stewardship. How can we best manage the funds that we have and use what we have to the benefit of our people, to the glory of God? It's not what we usually get up in the morning and the first thought that crosses our mind is, what can I do today to give glory to God? How can I use what I have to further his mission in the world? If if you doubt what the council, um, that we discuss that, ask Deanne because she keeps notes and she's very eloquent in, in uh, keeping a record as well as giving input in council meetings. Right, Deanne? Yep. Okay. It's true. So if we start our day by thinking, what can I do today with what God has given me, the wealth I already have, to give glory to him and to further his mission of mercy in the world. Think how your small world or my small world can change. This week, embassies around the world have been put on alert and, and have been closed down, especially in the Middle East. I think some of you heard that. Some of you watch the news on TV or national public radio. Al-Qaeda is at it again. They're threatening to do something big. And they are more than likely first strike, kind of like in Benghazi, to go after an embassy or a consular location. And so our representatives and Western countries as well are on alert and have closed up, closed up shop for the safety of their employees. Here are some people that have taken what they're able, used their wealth, 
to wreak vengeance on certain people, to cause suffering and death, to say, I'm right and you are wrong, that I count and you don't count. They're wrong, by the way, and I don't need to tell you that. You know in your heart that these people acting out of vengeance and cruelty are wrong, but what do we do to invoke the love of God in the world? The world needs to know that. Or what does our nation do? Remember, we're a nation under God. What do we do? How can we make God's will come alive? And it starts small, but every bit counts. Wow. Wow. $230 million before taxes if taken as a lump sum. You know, I was also thinking, I'd wonder, because there, although most people don't win, hardly anyone does, nevertheless, there have been winners of lotteries for a long time, and I wonder how their lives have changed. And some of you have perhaps read or seen a TV show about those that have won. Some of them have lost everything in the meantime or since it's happened, and others have had their lives changed. Most of the time, they... They quit their job and and um, find a new place to live, change their name, hire a tax accountant, do all of those fun things. But the thing is, not everyone has been blessed by the great wealth. In fact, oftentimes it's been a big curse. Where does our wealth really lie? Where does it lie? Probably mostly, most of you, would say your greatest wealth lies in the people whom you love and who love you. And since we're here in church, and it's true, our greatest wealth also lies in a God who loves you, who gave his son to prove how much he loves you. So maybe this week, instead of thinking of our lives and our value in terms of dollars and cents, we can focus a little bit more on the blessings that aren't, that don't come with a price tag, that that are not illuminated by what they're worth. Rather, we can think of our lives as a gift to others. That's the best thing. When you do not give gifts, but when you are the gift. I wish those people, those siblings that I mentioned earlier, would get beyond the thing of money and inheritance. And I think probably they have. I think they've probably gotten into the Smothers Brothers thing that mom always loved you best. No, I I think it's an ego thing, but the deal is... We need to get beyond ego and dollars and open our hearts. And the wider your heart is opened, the more it's going to be filled with God's love. And that's a good place to stop today on this warm Sunday morning. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please provide feedback on the iTunes podcast page and visit our website at angeljoy.org for more information.